I'm Kim Grinolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, out out for the count today. So hopefully we get Scott back a little bit later this week. But uh, practice today inside the Dempsey rain, a little bit of rain outside. But I think they just kind of prefer getting more efficiently things done inside on the Dempsey with the, the weather control. But, uh, you know, just we'll talk a little bit about, you know, we saw it live for the first time today. We'll talk about the defense. We'll talk about the offense. We'll talk about some of the guys that really caught our eye as well as a basketball commit in the middle of practice. We always love that, don't we, Chris? Yes. <laughs> well, we thought it might happen maybe a little bit later today, but the fact that it happened then, it just puts you in a little scramble mode, but we were ready for it. And uh, Thanks, Moses. And, and, now, uh, yeah, now we, uh, and now we can go on with the rest of our day and not have to worry about uh, waiting for an edit or waiting for something else to show up. <laughs> yeah, you know, the first thing that jumped out today this is the first time we've able to, uh, been able to see live. They didn't have a lot of it, but they did have a little bit of it. Yeah, they to just clarify for the fan, UW fans out there, you know, when we say they're going live, I mean that's as close to what we'll see as actual kind of game game situations, like actual full on tackling to the ground and those types of things but in no situation will they ever allow the quarterback to be live so the quarterback is always going to be off limits even if they're tackling the ball carrier so even if he scrambles whether it's Penix or Morris or whatever the quarterback is if they're out scrambling and stuff like that they don't they, they touch it's basically just touch football um, but if the running back has it they'll take him down and so that was fun to see because the first the first live period that we got to see today was short yardage right in the middle of the field and it was kind of third fourth down ish you know and I know that that was kind of a a point of emphasis last year because they struggled at the goal line especially like in third and fourth down moving the pile things like that not a problem today the offense was pretty I wouldn't say they were dominant because the defense did stop them short a couple times but when they had to get it on fourth down uh, if they were they went four for four and so that was really, you know, if you're looking for them to shore up areas of emphasis and things that they could turn, you know, weaknesses into strengths on the offense, considering how good the offense was last year, that was a positive sign, I would say. Yeah, it was interesting, you know, that first couple of live plays and Cam Davis got, uh, he got faced. Well, here's, <laughs> he here's, got faced. Okay, and here's another, here's a little bit of color for, for the people that can't come to practice. In the past, you know, because you have to remember, this is really, this is our second spring with this with these guys. But really, I don't remember how much we actually saw them go live, other than the spring game last year. But now that they went live, when we would see them go live when Tim Saha was here, whether it was with Chris Peterson or Jimmy Lake, he would always make it very clear that everyone within the general vicinity knew that they were going live. It was the bullhorn. It was like live 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 i mean it was like you could be a mile away and we you knew. would know what we was knew. going on at practice there was no such it was basically like okay we're turning it on now and and coach mac I, you know i don't know if that's part of his thing or if he's supposed to tell people but um all of a sudden we see guys going to the ground and kind of part of me is like okay that's not good unless that's what they want. <laughs> yeah. And then when they did it again, it was like, okay, they're clearly live now. So it took a rep or two to get it figured out. And then for the second live, Kim, I don't know if you noticed that, but Coach DeBoer brought them all together. So I don't know if it, if this was something that was done on the on the hoof, like totally on the fly, 
But he got everyone together, and he talked to them for a couple minutes, and then they came out, and you could tell guys were fired up because you could tell they were going to start hitting a little bit. And so um, that second live period was actually this, the kind of the end of practice normal live period that we would see. So they started around the 10-yard line and tried to go down the field. The first group with panics didn't – they were three and out. So the defense held, and then Morris got a couple first downs, and then, they, and then that drive fizzled out near like the 10, 15-yard line of the defense. And then after that, um, you know, Penix got a couple first downs, but then that drive fizzled out. So really the offense did so well on that first live period, but I think the defense started to come back at him in that second live period. And obviously that's good. You want that kind of back and forth, which, you know, honestly, Kim, going into this practice, I would have said the defense has really had the upper hand in most of these practices. This is the first time where I've really seen the offense kind of assert itself, and and not just with the big splash plays that we were accustomed to seeing last year, because there were a couple of those today, but not many, but they were able to sustain some drives, and especially in those third and fourth down live periods, um, they were able to get the job done. So I thought that was really, really good, and you know, clearly, like you want to see the competitive thing. We were talking about it, you came back to me and asked, because we saw that nine on seven, uh, drill, which is basically just both the offensive and the defensive lines trying to crunch each other. And then, um, you know, I saw it, you saw it, where uh, Edifu on Olafosio and Nate Kleppo kind of got into it a little bit and started, you know, they were, it was just general pushing around. But those are veteran guys. They're not going to get into it that deep. Yeah, also just what you saw, you pointed out, I didn't see it, but, you know, just not in the live thing, but there was more physical practice today, and you saw uh, Mateo Mele get trucked by Yeah, the very, very first, the very, very first nine-on-seven um, rep that I saw, I saw, yeah, MJ Ale just drive him back and take him to the ground. And, uh, yeah, that, I mean, when you see him, Ale, he, he's got that quality where he could be a Vita Vea type guy in terms of using that kind of power and stuff. Vita Vita's unique. I mean, there's no two ways about Fre- it. He's a freak. He's a very and, unique and, and, guy. And freaks are freaks because they're freaks. And MJ Ale could be that kind of guy. But he's, it's interesting. I, I was, um, I, we'll have a story up in the next day or two on him. We talked to him and it's a situation where it's kind of weird because we've seen guys go from the defensive side to the offensive side, like a Caleb McGarry or a Will Disley. Not often have we seen guys go from the offensive side to the defensive side, especially on the lines. And he said one of the biggest things that he's had a problem with is having to retrain himself because there are a lot of technique things on offense that are completely against what you need to do on defense. Like on defense, you have to have really light feet, you got to really be on your toes, whereas on def- on offense, you got to have more kind of solid feet for your base. So it's just those little tips and tricks uh, for Ollie that he's kind of relearning, but he's obviously making huge strides. But the other thing, too, is what would you guess he weighed when he showed up? 360, 370? Oh, sure. And he's toned down. What oh, no, you, he looks fantastic. He's 330 what, now. I you, mean, he's, he's – yeah, if you go and you look at the – you look at the um, – the Go Huskies roster, he's listed around there. He's listed around 6'5", 330, something like that. I think he's listed, okay, 6'6", 331. 
That's his official but, height and weight. But he looks, his body looks different. Oh, no, he's fantastic. I mean, that's why I even asked him. I said, you know, I know your focus is on football right now, but is there a possibility you could ever do the rugby thing again? Because I know he played rugby when he was in Australia. He came to the States and played rugby still. And we know guys like Song Wu Ching have gone and made a career out of rugby. So if the NFL doesn't work, could he do that? And he's like, could be. He goes, but NFL is my focus right now. Yeah. No, it's by the way, his his body may have changed. His calves haven't. They're still as big as my head. Still not as big as Sama Palmas. Those are the biggest <laughs> I've ever seen. So, uh, uh, who was the who was the um, the guy from Hawaii that w- had the notorious for having the big calves? I just said it. No, 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 Sama no, 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 no. But back back in Baird's day. Oh, I don't know. Olin Krutz? No, I, don't know. I can't remember. But anyways, um, the other thing that really stood out to me today, Chris, was, um, you know, let's just go over to the offensive side of the ball. Michael Panic's ability to, to, to scan the defense, to know where to throw the ball, and to be able to take his reads at the speed he does. You asked me if you thought it was as good as Jake Browning. I think it's better. I think it's better than what Jake did. His ability to know where everybody was in the minute he gets off one, he's to the next guy and throwing the ball. But explain why you think that is, because it's it's quickness. He's just got an ability to read things so fast. I mean, the way he scans, and I think he pretty much knows the defense and he knows the offense so well, it's not just the physical ability, it's the mental ability to understand the defense and what's going on and where all of his receivers are going to be. You know, we saw again today, we saw that several times last year on third and 10 or whatever, and he's throwing over to the sidelines to a guy that's uncovered, and that's probably about the third ring, third read, you know, with a guy tiptoeing, you know, for a first down, moving the chains, you know, where a guy's staying in bounds, reaching up high, grabbing the ball, snagging it, falling out of bounds for a first down. We saw that a couple more times today. Right, but again, I think a guy like Jake Browning processes that just as quickly as Penix, but what Penix has over Browning is that he can make that mental translation into a quick physical throw because he's got the physicality that Jake Browning never had. He's got the arm strength. Right. So he has not only the arm strength, but he has the release. So he has all the physical traits that can translate what he's thinking and what's firing in his brain into something where Jake Browning may be a half second slower, but it's not because he didn't identify quick enough. It's that he couldn't translate it into the actual physical throw fast enough. Well, it's like the pick that Jake threw at the end of the half against Alabama. If Michael Penix had thrown that ball, it might have it might have got there on time. Uh, yeah, either way, I don't think I don't think a coach would want <laughs> yeah. the quarterback to be throwing the ball in, in that situation. Either one of them. Yeah. But yes. No. Yeah. no point, I, point. The point taken. Yeah, we're kind of spoiled. You know, Michael's out here making plays, and it's just you know we've seen this a hundred times, so we take it for granted. So, uh, and Michael's having an outstanding camp. He is having a great camp, but at the same time, I think outside of the, I saw it pretty in, in pretty much in stark relief that today that outside of the three main receivers, which would be Roma Dunze, Jalen Millen, and um, Jalen Polk, the rest of the guys have been struggling a little bit from time to time. Like, like first couple practices, I thought Denzel Boston was going to have a breakout spring. Haven't really heard from him since, yeah. which is really, really unusual. Um, Giles Jackson, very hit and miss, Haven't especially seen today. Yeah. Um, he, but even McMillan. Jeremy, I mean, Mc, Mc, Jeremy, Jeremy Bernard. Well, not. Jeremy Bernard's getting a ton of reps. He got reps with the ones today. Yeah. In fact, he started out with that, with that group with McMillan and with Odunze. 
Um, you know, it's just one of those things where outside of those top three, the rest of them, it, it's very hit and miss right now. But those first three, man, you can pretty much rely on them. And you can see a guy like McMillan really take it to heart because he dropped a pass during one of the team periods and he came to the sideline. He was absolutely beside himself and he wouldn't let it go. And he was just, and the guys are trying to like kind of, kind of, you know, bring him back down a little bit. He just wasn't having it. And cause he just knows he goes, it's, it's on him. He's got to make every catch. And he's a perfectionist, clearly. He's the biggest critic, for sure. Camden Sermon with a couple of drops today, and boy, he get lit up. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Coach Shepard was on him early and often. Yeah. So he, But he wasn't the only one. So we're, we're not, I don't want to single out Sermon because, yeah, he, he did get he did get to talk to a couple times. But there were, there were some other guys, too. Shepard was on one today a little bit. He was definitely on one today. You could tell. I mean, with – Guys dropping the ball and things like that, that's just unacceptable. Yeah, one of the uh, guys that I really uh, – and sometimes guys just catch your eye, but I thought a guy who maybe stepped up today and I saw some really good things out of was Ryan Otten at tight end. Yeah, he had a conversion on one of the on one of the live third down or fourth down plays uh, at, at midfield, which was fantastic to see. He's getting involved. I thought, honestly, one of the guys that is starting to make a move up because I saw Will Nixon getting work early with the twos in spring. But I think one of the guys that's stepping up now, even though you know Cameron Davis is still the number one guy, and I think it's by quite a ways, I think Sam Adams had a really good practice today and started to show himself off a little bit. He had a great run in, in one of the team periods around right end. I think he went for at least 35, 40 yards. Um, the offensive guys were telling him he needed to go the whole way. I don't know if, I don't know if one of the DBs had an angle on him, but uh, I thought he had a really strong practice too. Yeah, Dylan Johnson uh, suited up, but uh, didn't participate in much today. Yeah, did some of the, did, not even some of the individual stuff, which I don't know why that was, because he practiced full go on Friday, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if something happened. Maybe they found something, or he just. Took but he was walking around and stuff. Yeah. See, it could be one of those things, like maybe a con- possible concussion or something that you just don't notice. Yeah. You can't. You can't tell. Yeah, and another one of the guys that uh, um, you know, standing next to some of the guys in the know, um, one of the guys that I know that they're really high on right now, uh, Tybo Rogers yeah. had a couple of nice runs. Yep. No, he's doing a great job. He uh, did punt return with Jalen McMillan today. Right. So I don't know if they see him as the backup to McMillan on the punt return. A lot of the running backs were taking uh, kicks today. So it was Adams, it was Cam Davis, it was Newton. Um, uh, Daniel Ngata was there taking uh, kicks. Uh, Aaron Dumas was taking kicks. So, yeah, I mean, the, the running backs have been very, very involved last few last few practices. With that depth chart as it is and as many guys as they have at running back, do you see Tybo Rogers seeing the field this year more than four games? If he does, then some then guys got hurt. That's what I would say. Because they just got a lot of guys. He's they have too many guys right now. Because he's say. a talented guy, but I don't. And, and we're assuming that there isn't any attrition after spring football. I don't know if that's going to be a good assumption to make. They may have to lose a guy or two because um, they're still over numbers right now. I mean, the way things work out, if if all the guys enroll in the leap that we're anticipating, all the guys that signed. And then you include a guy like Austin Mack, you know they're 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 ahead on numbers right now. I think they're ahead on numbers by a couple, not two, many, not two, many, two but three. But they do need a couple of they do need attrition at a couple spots, and I I think running back seems to be one of the candidate 
rooms right now for one of those guys to probably head out. Yeah, uh, one of the guys I, I just haven't noticed, and sometimes that doesn't mean they're not doing anything. It's just I haven't noticed or not focusing on that group. But uh, what have you seen out of Josh Cuevas? A little bit here and there. I think most of the part now it's still drinking through a, uh, drinking water through a fire hose for him. I saw in some of the some of the team periods. Nick Sheridan was having to line him up and get, kind of get him moving in the right direction, figure things out. So I think at this point, it's it's all about playbook for him. It's all about playbook. Right. Because you look at him physically and you see him run around, there's no doubt he can fit into this tight end room really, really well. It's simply a matter of, first of all, there's a lot of guys in front of him. Um, Jack Westover coming back today, which was a good sign after he got a little dinged up on Friday. But you got Westover, you got Colt, you got Quinn Moore. Uh, you mentioned Ryan Otten competing yeah. for a job. So there, there are guys there that, that can, all those guys can make a difference. So we'll see what happens. But um, a guy like Cuevas did not come to ride Pine. I mean, he's going to try to fit his way in somewhere. And I would expect a guy like Ryan Grubb to try to be able to, to figure out a way to utilize him in the best way possible. And we haven't seen a lot, you know, out of um, uh well, I mean, Devin Culp, and we haven't seen a lot out of Jack Westover, and I, I think that's more the, because well, they know what they have. Well, they're they're working with the ones that they're not being held out. Yeah. I mean, they're playing in all the team stuff, so there's no issue there. I think, if anything, Sheridan probably wants to see if he can get more out of guys like Quentin Moore, Josh Cuevas, uh, Griffin Waste, the walk-on. Um, you know, those guys are guys that, that they need – this is spring is where they need to really get going and move on because, as you said – guys like Culp and Westover it's it's not so much that you know what you've got but it's it's spring is is to get back into football shape as much as anything and just you know absorb the new playbook absorb those types of things but when it comes to understanding what to do those guys know it as well as anybody on this team and so you don't really have to see that much out of them to know that what they can do, what they can do, and for them to have a productive spring. Offensive line's been pretty consistent. Not a lot of, uh, you know, uh, rotation in there. We pretty much know what we got. Uh, anything jumping out at you there? Well, the first team seems super, super solidified right now. Um, you've got Troy uh, Faltanu and Roger Rosengarten at the tackles. You've got, um, you know, Julius Bulo and Nate Kalepo at the guards and Matteo Mele at center. And uh, it's funny, I, you know, this was one of those practices where Kalepo all of a sudden showed up and he seemed to be, I don't know if it's just because he had a chip on his shoulder today for whatever reason, but he was getting on guys and he was he he's, was fired up. He's what Dan Cazetta would say, he red-assed it today. Uh, he, he was getting after some guys and uh, it's good to see because, you know, knowing Nate the way that we've known Nate for a long time, he's, one, he's always been kind of one of those gentle giants. Like you know, he, you know he he gets after, he gets after it. You know, you know he's a different kind of guy on the football field. But today we saw even maybe another level or another layer to what Nate Kalepo can bring to the team. And yeah, when he was when he was engaged, he was moving guys from point A to point B, and it was it was kind of fun to watch. And when he's mad, he's a big dude. I don't know if he's necessarily mad, but he was just he was engaged. He was focused. He was he was into it. He wasn't taking anything from Eddie. No, he wasn't, and Eddie wouldn't take anything from him. But <laughs> that's where it's like the banter is, is there. And that's again, that's where you, when you in full pads, those types of things will happen. And it it's it's it, it's one of those kind of weird ironies in the sense that guys are really showing themselves up and they're fired up and you can tell and they're engaged and they're in it. But to be honest with you, I didn't really, I didn't really get the sense that these guys are super, super vocal or, 
it's just a little different vibe than with the Lake and Peterson players. It's like these guys, I don't know if it's just because these guys are maybe playing with more confidence and just have more belief and they don't need to show it. They don't need to express themselves outwardly like that because I just, it always seemed like there was a lot more, there was a lot more outward emotion, just emotion and voices during those practices. Here you don't see that as much. And I don't know if it's just because the coaches are really good about getting their point across without having to scream. Now, a guy like Shepard, he's just enormous. That's just him. Yeah. That's just what he does. Um, but most of these other coaches don't do that. That's just, you know, again, you don't you don't take the stinger away from a guy like uh, Jamarcus Shepard. You, you let him do what he does best. Yeah, over on the defensive side of the ball, we had a chance to talk for the first time to Raylan Goforth. Um, and he's showing some he, – you can tell he's a player. He's a dude. Yeah, but he's he's having to fight for first team reps. Oh, we because, talked about that because between Olufosio and 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 Zotu Patala, those guys are your ones right now, and and I don't think they're they're not going to give that stuff up at all. Well, I talked to him about that. You know, where if you're going to be in the transfer portal, you're going to look at the roster of the schools that you're interested in and see if there's a clear path. And there wasn't a clear path here. But, you know, he said he's not afraid. And when we talked to Coach Morell after practice, he goes, there's plenty of reps there. He's going to get his reps. There's plenty to go around because you also have Carson Bruner who's played a ton. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is you're one play away from starting the rest of the year. Yeah. I mean, so it's it's not exactly like that group is completely flush with, with experienced veteran guys. And so, again, yes, there's a need for that kind of guy, and he's going to play. So, as we saw with, like, a Chris Mole last year, for instance – he wasn't, he wasn't in Cam Bright's position, but if you'll notice, as the year went on, his reps really increased. He got healthy. Well, but, he, but his reps really increased. He got, he got experience, and he got experience in the system, and he really got comfortable in it, and he, and he started to really get trust in himself that he knew where he was supposed to be. Yeah, it's just interesting. You know, I, didn't, you know, I hadn't seen him that much and when you see him on the field, but um, Goforth is a lot bigger than I thought he was going to be. He's a good He's size legit guy. 225. Yeah, he may be bigger than that. I mean, he um, came across as bigger than that. Okay. Well, I mean, he's yeah, I mean, he's, he's a good size kid. Yeah. He he's listed at 622, actually 236. Yeah. He's bigger than Tupatala. Tupatala's listed at 62238. Yeah. He seems bigger. They're if you if you didn't see them on the hoof, Go Huskies is telling you they're identical. <laughs> okay. So, I don't know. Good kid, by the way. Really nice kid. Also had a chance to, where he's bigger than I thought. Jabbar Muhammad is not very big. No, Jabbar Muhammad is about as tall as I am, and I'm about five eight and a half. So I tried to get Jabbar to compare and contrast Coach Gundy to Coach DeBoer, and he just laughed. And yeah. <laughs> they're similar, but not. And that's all I'm gonna say. I was gonna say I don't. I don't think you're gonna see Kalen DeBoer doing. I'm a man. I'm forty. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon. Yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, he'll defend. Don't, don't get me wrong. He'll defend his players like like Gundy did. <laughs> he just won't do it that way with a mullet. He won't do it that way. He won't, I, I don't think he's going to call out individual news newspaper reporters and and go to town. So that's uh, they just very very different very different guys. Yeah, and just for those listening we, with the music in the background, we got some of the track people. It looks like some of the women are out there working on the field for track. So that's what the background noise is. But yeah, Muhammad. Um, you know, everybody raves about him. Like I said, he's just not very big. But uh, I asked him. He wants to be out there on an island. You know, he wants to be. I think his word is just put me against the guy. He wants to take the best guy. Oh, sure. I mean, you, you, 
you play at a program like Oklahoma State, and you know maybe that doesn't mean much to people out here, but that's a big program out in the Big Twelve. That's that's an that's an established program. You don't you don't recruit slappies to Oklahoma State. Those guys have some dog in them. Yeah. And so yeah, he may only be five, maybe listed at five nine. I mean, I don't know what is he. He's listed at something like that. He's listed at five nine one eighty five. Um, yeah, if he's five nine, I'm five nine, which is fine. Because if, if you want to, if you want to give me a little extra for some hair that I don't have anymore, that's okay. Uh, I'll take it. But bottom line is that that guy is, you know, we saw him lined up against Rome and Dunze, and he he did give up a bomb to Rome um, in practice. I mean, Rome's <laughs> Rome's a potential first round draft pick, so it's it's not the worst thing in the world no. to have happen. Um, but at the same time, again, that's five nine going up against six three. He, he needs to be going up against Rome every day in practice because he's going to be seeing 6-3 every week in the Pac-12. How similar do you think he is to Bryant? Why am I spacing on his first name? Um, Miles Bryant? Yeah, how similar is he to Miles Bryant? Not at all. Not at all because he wants to be on an island. Miles Bryant was a slot corner. Yeah. Miles, think, Miles was playing the Husky. I think Miles was a little thicker. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Miles Bryant, the reason why he got moved to Husky was because not only of his instincts and football IQ – but because he didn't mind going into the box, and he didn't mind shutting down the run. And I'm not saying Jabbar Muhammad doesn't mind shutting down the run, but when you hear him say, put me on the island, he makes it very clear what his priorities are. He, he doesn't really care about what's going on in the box. He wants to take their the offense's best receiver and put him in his pocket. That's what he wants to do. Offense, I, I think it's clear to say the offense is ahead of the defense, but you know that offense is tough to stop. Anybody well, else jump out to you on the defensive side of the ball? Well, as I said before, I don't think that's necessarily true, Cam. I, I, the the title of the practice uh, story today was a mixed bag, but it was a good mixed bag because I think the defense and the offense took shots at each other and were able to, to get some things done on both sides. But up until now, I think the defense has pretty much had the upper hand. It was only when... They got to, to take guys to the ground where the offense seemed to want to flex its muscles a little bit and kind of flex its skill. Because when it comes down to it, everybody who saw this team last year would know that the offense should be miles ahead of the defense. They should be miles ahead of the defense. But it's only been when they went live today where you really saw that in action, in my opinion. Um, but yes, there's no question that when you see Michael Penix in full flow and he's and he's looking at McMillan, he's looking at Rome, he's looking at Jalen Polk, and I, I'll tell you what, I think Jalen Polk's probably had the best practice or best spring so far of all the receivers. I think he's been the most consistent. Um, that's not to knock Rome at all. I think Rome's been right there, but I think Polk has, has made bigger splash plays. I think he's been there more. I think he's made more of his opportunities at times. Um... It's just the guys behind those three that have been a little bit hit and miss, which I found surprising. But overall, I think they've done a nice job. The running backs, I think, really showed up well today. I, I, Will Nixon's going to be a real enigma for me all season. I don't know how they're going to want to use him differently than maybe they used him last year. I don't, I don't know. I don't see it. But that's for Ryan Grubb to figure out, um, especially when you've got guys like Sam Adams breathing down his neck. And Daniel Nada. And Daniel Nada, for sure. A rich, Richard Newton is always going to be a factor. If he's healthy, he's going he's gonna to have to play um, because you, we've already seen what he can do. Um, not only is just a straight-up tailback, but we've seen what he can do in the, in the past in the Wildcat. 
Um, you know, I don't know how many other guys are, are real wildcat oriented as, as far as this offense goes. Maybe that's something that that Grubb will try to look at as the spring goes on and going into the fall. Are there other guys that can be utilized in a wildcat type situation where they can hand the ball off or take the ball? We'll see what happens. But again, everyone knows there's so much versatility in this offense. It's kind of it's. It's, it's almost crazy to even talk about it. No, it's going to be crazy. But, uh, you know, there's nothing like being in the middle of something and uh, being in the middle of a football practice. And we've been sitting on a basketball commit story for a while. And we thought it was going to happen around 1 o'clock, so we figured that it would happen after uh, practice. But uh, now nah, Moses, <laughs> hey, Moses Wood went ahead and committed today, what, at about 11 o'clock? I think, yeah, I was right. I mean, it was probably... 10 minutes before practice ended yeah yeah good uh, good pickup for uh, Washington he's 6'8 200 210 pounds he averaged uh, last year um, he averaged 15 points a game as well as six rebounds a game but the big thing is he shot 45 percent from three uh 45 percent from the field 40 percent I think from three yeah so yeah, yeah much needed shooting rebounding but I've kind of commented to a couple of guys, he's going to bring you what they were hoping at some point to get out of Cole Batchema. Well, it seems like there's a similar makeup in terms of size and in terms of what they would play. I don't know what Portland does in terms of defense, so I don't know if they're, if he's a straight man defender or if he's ever played in his zone before. I, you know, We don't get the sense that there's going to be as much zone next year. as, Or let's put it this way. The, the man-to-zone ratio is going to be more skewed towards man than it ever has been under right. Mike Hopkins. At least that's where, under our impression. Um, so that, you know, again, does that fit a guy like Moses Wood? Probably, because most of these guys are going to be man defenders. But again, they're not necessarily getting him for his defense. They're getting him because he's a two-time all-WCC guy. Uh, average, 50, like you said, 15 points, what, six, seven rebounds a, a game. So... Again, who can score, and you assume if, if Keon Brooks is coming back, now all of a sudden you've got another, another double-digit scorer. You add that to what Braxton Mia showed he's capable of doing, and we know Frank Kepnang isn't necessarily going to be a big scorer, but he can provide a couple things here and there. And then Corin Johnson is a shooting guard. Could he break out with some numbers? Yeah, just taking take a look at this, you know, 18-19, um, he shot 39% from three. The following year, 43% from three. The following year, 40, um, 44% from three. And last year, 40.3% from three. And he's taken quite a few shots, too. So, um, you know, he's able yeah, I think, to... I think I saw him. I think I saw the numbers. He took like 100, 160, 165 threes yeah. last year. So, again, is that... You know, we know with Cole Bajma, Cole Bajma ended up just being a, a, a campout three shooter. Yeah, is that what this guy's going to be, or is or does, is he going to have more pump and drive to the bucket in his game too? With those numbers, though, he was 160 some threes divided by 30 games. That's what five a game well, plus. I know they're talking to a couple of other guys. They're, they're, they're trying to emphasize on two things. They want to bring in a couple of shooters and they want to uh, bring in more speed because they want to play more uh, man and trap more next year. So a couple of point guards they're talking to. There's another shooter that they're talking to who's a younger guy 
Um, so keep an eye on that as well as a possible big coming in from Africa. So um, they're definitely trying to emphasize getting shooting, and this is just a, a good way to start in the transfer portal. It is for sure, and there's no doubt shooting is an emphasis because the only guy who's really a shooter coming back would be Corn Johnson. And Corn was, was hitting miss as a three-point shooter, and you need outside shooting badly. And, th- and so getting a guy like Moses Wood is a huge start. But there's no doubt they need at least at least one or maybe two more sharpshooters to, to add to this mix because if I remember correctly, they have, what, six scholarships they can give right now or seven? Yeah, expect, I'm expecting. Or is it six now with Wood taking? I'm expecting them to bring in a big, uh, uh, at least uh, one point guard, uh, another guard, um, another wing, possibly two more wings, yeah. you know, and a big. So yeah. that's what I'm expecting them to bring in. Yeah. So, um, you know, just uh, follow on the hardcore hoops board. We'll talk more about that out there. It's kind of hard sometimes because I, don't, I can't burn sources, and if I say too much, they may not tell me much. So I'm always walking that fine line. But Moses Wood actually committed on Saturday, so we've been sitting on that one for a while. And I would say, too, that it's, it's not really talking out of school, but – with what happened with the centers this year, the the best laid plan that Coach Hop had with with Kepnang and Mia splitting time, and now with Langston Wilson being gone, it, it, it makes you wonder: Are they going to go for another traditional big in the Mia Kepnang mold? So now they're completely covered, or are they going to go for another maybe another hybrid type guy, another guy? Because you don't ever want to put yourself back in that situation where Keon Brooks is playing the five. Because I know there are some there are some aspects to, to being small like that, that it can pay off in certain situations, but you don't want to have to be forced right. into having to go small. You want it to be in a situation where you can use it to your advantage. Yeah, so anyways, uh, just wrap it up, Chris Fetters. Uh, good, six uh, day six of practice. Um, you know, we're in the situation now where we're only able to see the full practices on Mondays. So we have two more Mondays that we get to see the full practice. And then the rest of the time, we're just going to be talking to players and coaches. Um, I think we get the offensive players and coaches on Wednesdays and then Coach DeBoer on Fridays. So the the schedule's pretty much laid out. We know what we're doing. And um, I got to tell you, I'll have to thank Coach DeBoer when I see him. Because I don't know if he did that for our benefit or if they did have some of it penciled in. But letting the media see some of the live stuff is so cool. Yeah. We don't often get a chance to see it. And and um, I know that, like, for instance, they set up some of the schedule because he told us, he goes, we wanted to make sure you guys at least got a chance to see an early full pads practice, which was hugely beneficial too. So a big thank you to him, a big thank you to the SID for, for being able to hang with us and allowing us to talk to some of these guys after practice, guys like Goforth and uh, Jabbar Muhammad and some of these new guys too, uh, to get a feel for why they picked Washington and, what's, and what works well for them here. So overall, great practice, a, a mixed bag, like I said, defense early, offense late, especially in the team stuff. And uh, we'll see kind of what happens going forward because for the rest of the week, guys, we don't get to see much of practice. We're gonna we're gonna get to see some drills. We're gonna see some individual work. So we'll be able to hopefully take some videos, take some pictures uh, the next couple days. But uh, in in terms of seeing the full practice, guys, and getting the full practice report, yeah, we're done for this week. Yeah, again, we're inside the Dempsey, and the women's track team is up there. I kind of am looking at uh, the microphone here, but I'm also kind of eyeballing over there the the pole vaulter. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've been trying to. <laughs> yeah, she looks like she's going to go about 10 times and keeps on backing off. So, yeah, a good day to be back out here. Again, good pickup for the basketball program and getting Moses Wood. Um, expecting something from um, uh, Keon Brooks here within the next couple of days as well. So just keep it here, tuned in at dogman.com. And not, not everything's on the front page. Make sure to visit the hardcore football, basketball, and recruiting boards. That's where all the good stuff is. So let's just go. Here, here she goes over the pole vault. Did she make it? She made it. <laughs> How high up is that, Chris? 19 feet? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not even a real bar. It's like it's like uh, it's like the rubber stuff that you'd see when they when they're taking blood and they use the rubber to, to find a vein. You think it's I that can kind of stuff? What? How much you think? You think I could make it over? No, no, <laughs> no. Anyways, for no, all you you'd hurt yourself even even maybe trying to hold a pole. Yeah, I don't even I don't know. I'd break it. Anyways, for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetters and get better Scott Eklund. Go dogs.